let's begin this podcast. Let's begin speak this. Speak words, bro. At some point, I will. At some point, I'll learn how to speak words. After doing this for fucking, God, we're coming up to A two, year, bro. Two years. We're coming up to two years. It's January. 2019 is when we started. And you still can't talk. I still can't talk. Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstad. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode 113 of This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We're your hosts, I'm Matt. Over there, having internet troubles is Danny. It's your internet, not mine. I think it's maybe your computer. It's most likely my computer. It's but it's also say. just Twitch. Maybe. Just being Twitch. It's just eating all that CPU right now. Eh, whatever. It's not my computer, it's my wife's. Fair enough. Time to upgrade. Get yourself an Alienware. I don't have a couple grand to spend on a laptop. If I had a couple grand to spend on a laptop, I'd just improve my desktop. Fair enough. Very fair enough. At some point, I think it'd be cool to get a laptop. laptops. Laptops are cool. Yeah. You can you can do like I thought. If we ever become big enough to where if we travel around, if we had a laptop, we could do a podcast remotely and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that would be kind of cool. We could, but you'd only be using your laptop for that and yeah. that only. I think that'd be worth it. And then you could play Minecraft. Like it's, Minecraft is a great game to play. It doesn't you don't need a lot of computing power for that you stuff. You don't, but it's still hard on your computer. <laughs> Still do it. I remember computer I used to... Computer gets hot and melts shit on the inside. Never melted my... Well, I mean, I guess it was playing an older version of Minecraft, but my, my MacBook that I had back in the day before it crapped. Because, <laughs> because of Minecraft? Maybe not. Because it melted need, its insides. I think I need a battery. I got to bring that in. And I haven't used that thing for like... Jesus, what has it been like? Eight years? Yeah. Yeah, I remember when you and Chris would just play Minecraft, Minecraft all the time. Yeah, it was great. Oh, God. Because I'd just be sitting there in, in my apartment just playing Minecraft, staying up till wee bits of the morning. Just recently on my Facebook histories or memories, it uh, I made a post about, I hate this so goddamn much. I was mining and mining for hours. I got like 16 pieces of diamond, 64 gold, and a bunch of other stuff. And I dig down below me, and I fall into lava. Mm-hmm. So pissed. Uh, I posted that up, and I'm like, hey, I, I feel I, that. It's, you'd still feel it after. Still feel it. Today. I still ha- remember like, the, the image of it happening. It plays in my head so vividly. It's ridiculous. I'm just walking, and all of a sudden, just like digging. Because I, I wasn't digging directly below me. I was like digging in front of me and walking forward, but. I was doing it for such a long time, I just fell into a motion of doing it and not, like, crouching and whoop. Idiot. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah, well, that's a lot of shit. I was so upset. So upset. But this is not a Minecraft podcast. And it could to, be. To the, this week in Minecraft. This week in crafting. This week in miners. No. That's don't wrong. Google, don't Google that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're kicked off of Twitch. <laughs> FBI is going to be here soon. FBI, open up. Uh, so the, the the lack of opinions that you're hearing is uh, JB not being here. 
he's uh, out okay. he's out again and actually going to be out for a while he's doing some adulting stuff so uh, patreon hit us up yeah yeah we'll we'll jump on in i was going to make a post but then chapman. i didn't get around to it chapman 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 so three chapmans hit us up chapman sorry chapman sorry chapman sorry that's the meme now right sure okay <laughs> He's, so, not, he's not here, so I can just yell shit up to get him drunk. I mean, he gets drunk after the fact. Oh, man. If you get him drunk, like, on air, though, that'd be fucking... That's, that's entertaining. It, that'd be... That's what people come for. The people come for the Chapman they getting don't, drunk. They don't come here for the, the the news. They come here for three schmucks on a microphone. I mean, fair enough. Honestly, that has to be the case. There's no way that our MTG content is worth <laughs> actually listening. It's like, ah... Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give these poor they, guys. They come here for the little bit of information, but mostly the comedic relief of our idiot brains. Yeah, now that we're speaking shit through microphones. Now that we're officially a comedy podcast, exactly. That I put that tag on there. Smart guy. Officially, unofficially, you be the judge of that. We're not know. comedians, but I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, we're not comedians. Is the, the trade. is the comedy club in the FM area? Is that Courtney's comedy club? Is that what it's called? I have no idea. It's it's like no idea. Okay. Well, I won't even continue then, because this would be a pointless conversation. So, yep. JB is not here. You got Danny and I. Hope you guys are fine with that. Patreon members, if you're interested to jump in the podcast and say hi and read some news and just bullshit around for like an hour and a half, let us know. <laughs> so let's begin our episode by thanking our amazing patrons who think that our content is worth supporting. You all are crazy for doing it. We appreciate you so goddamn much. So big thank you to Big G, Wade97, Chapman, D Moose, Amu the Fox, Colin, Noah, Slade, Third String Chapman, Nikki, No Modifier, and Jacob, the twoest new patrons of the fine MTG folk. If you guys want to be crazy motherfuckers as well and support us, we have a Patreon where we have two tiers. First tier is a $3 tier where you get put in monthly drawings for booster packs and the $10 tier you get put in for drawings for a commander card that's valued between $15 to $20. We're going to be putting out a poll here on the Patreon page in the next week of five cards that you all can vote for vote for, for the next month and let us know which ones you want the chance to possibly get. And also... I put this one in here in the notes specifically because for the last few weeks, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting, but now I'm not going to forget. We have playmats, y'all. Yeah, we do. They are so fucking cool. I think they're cool, but I'm biased, clearly. Danny's going to grab a pl- grab the playmat here real quick and show it off to those watching the live stream. The one person. Two people. One person. The one person watching the live stream. It looks really cool. It has our logo on it with the, the, the boggle, the zombie, and the sapperling. So, so fucking intense. So, you guys can hit us up. Uh, hit, hit us up on like Facebook, Discord, Twitter, all that, all those places. If you want to purchase one, they're 20 bucks a piece. And we'll work out shipping details if you're outside of the ephemerium. If you're in the ephemerium, we'll be more than gladly to drop it off at a place of your choosing and stuff. Please or don't murder me. You can pick them up at JDubs. Great transition. Yeah, J-Dubs now also sells our playmats for 20 bucks and tax there. So expect tax. Uh, we don't do tax here because... Um, we don't have to. Something, something, reasons that won't get us in trouble, allegedly. <laughs> because there is no paper trail. 
um yeah so thank you jade of sports cards and gaming i, I for- get fbi with now irs <laughs> irs open up tink because they're using a pen instead of a battering ram uh so jadavs sports cars and gaming thank you so much for being our sponsor they have our playmats there go check them out like if you need playmats this is the playmat to get this is inked gaming quality playmats here folks they are a great playmat so not only does jadavs have our playmats there but they also also they also have magic cards yeah they do who would have thunk it no idea and now with innistrad crimson vow going to be fully released here in the next week they got pre-releases happening this weekend. So if you're in the FM area and looking for a pre-release, go hit up J-Dubs for them. They got your kits. They got your dice. They got your event center to play in. And they got all the awesomeness and stuff that you can get at a pre-release. Outside of a pre-release as well, they have leagues uh, for Commander Leagues, Modern Leagues, and Legacy Leagues on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, respectively. And then Fridays, they got FNM. Right now, they're doing Standard. There's talk of maybe possibly doing Pioneer. And if magic doesn't float your boat at all, they also have sports cards, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. Just want to put that out there in the world. J-Dubs, thank you so much for, for sponsoring us. It blows my mind every time just thinking about it. Now, I think we're at the point to do the breakdown. Finally. And then all of a sudden, the China symbol hits just ting. Oh. No. No? All right. At some point. So the breakdown is going to go like going to go like this. At the boggle desk, without the boggle... We're going to have me leading off with uh, the Sunday challenges, and then we're going to talk about upcoming events like the Eternal Weekend, the Hooglandia, and CFB Las Vegas. From there, Danny's going to lead us into a blogatog section. From the blogatogs, we're going to talk about Crimson Vow, dates and errata information, and TCG player announcing some acquisitions that have happened. And then we're going to cover some exciting news that we covered a couple weeks ago about a string of robberies. Update. Yeah, and from the news section, we're going to jump into the finance section and talk about magic cards moving up and down in price and maybe head a deeper dive into some other topics that I listed here that I thought maybe might be of importance to talk about, and we'll see where that goes. And maybe get a deck of the week. And then after all that's said and done, you guys can go home and relax and not worry about us for another week. Go right home. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're driving to work, or they're on the bus, or the train, or the subway, or a plane. Maybe John Candy's sitting next to them, like, telling them to get that mole not off by a rat and tosses a quarter their way. That's okay, a couple, sure. That's a couple different movies just jammed into one there. <laughs> Have you ever watched- Whatever you say, Matt. Have you ever seen no. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Have you ever seen Uncle Probably. Buck? I've seen a lot of them. So, I just don't remember any of them because, again, they're old movies from the 80s. That's so fucking good. John Candy, classic. Mm. Good, good, good fucking movies. Good fucking movies. But we are not this week in movie reviews yet. Oh. Or ever. Si- side tangent. We used to have a story. This whole thing's a side tangent. What the fuck are you talking? What, what are you talking about? Side tangent. In, in Monoman, there used to be a video rental place. Monoman had a video rental place, believe it or not, as small as it is. And so was, did Faustin. Faustin's bigger. No. Yeah, Faustin's big. No. Monoman's bigger than Faustin, but it can't be by much. What's Monoman's population? At the at that time, it was like 1,200. Ever since I was in, like, in school in Faustin, it was 1,400. Oh, yeah. See, just a, just a little bit bigger because you guys had the movie theater. We still do. Yeah, you do. Did you know Monoman used to have a movie theater? M- movie theater? Theater. 
I, I, I don't know what's up with me tonight. Jesus Christ. I cannot speak. But yeah, Manoma used to have a movie, movie theater. And uh, it closed down. And right now they have paintings in front of it. They haven't tore down the building yet. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was called the Rainbow Theater, too. How original. But anyway, uh, where were we on topic about? Uh, we're moving over to the Boggle Desk. There we go. Talking about the Sunday challenges in modern because... Here at This Week in MTG, we just enjoy modern more than a lot of other formats. So this modern challenge that happened on Sunday was oof, pretty fucking crazy to see the the list of decks here. Um, according to the most cards played from MTG Goldfish, Expressive Iteration showed up in 44% of the decks. Imagine uh, that. Tossing up 50, so 52 copies of it were thrown in. 41 counterspells in the whole event 40 prismatic end in endings regavan nimble pilferer showing up in 39 as uh, showing up 39 times lightning bolt showing up 39 times to fairy time raveler showing up 38 times so it kind of gives you a rough idea of like what the meta is looking like like having blue spells blue and blue red and white spells like being in the top five there so starting us off in first place we have a blue white a blue-red Merktide deck. This is kind of a stock-looking list where it has the the Murderer's Row of DRC, Regavan, Merktide, and a single Brazen Borrower. So in the spell section here, it's just, I don't know, the, the, the typical package. The, most players are agreeing that considers a pretty good card in here, uh, and that's like the newest card for this whole set. Otherwise, pretty pretty straightforward. They got dress downs in the side, and honestly, I was I've, I've recently been questioning this. Jace the Mind Sculptor as a sideboard pick for a lot of blue style decks. Like, is Jace the Mind Sculptor just supposed to coming for come in for the control matchups and stuff to help like prolong the game? Maybe because control players aren't going to have a really easy time to deal with this. I mean, Solitude would be able to hit it because Solitude hits Planeswalkers, right? No, it's just creatures. So yeah, no, never mind. Solitude does not hit Planeswalkers. So maybe, yeah, Jace must just be coming in for the control matchup since blue-white decks are running pretty rampant right now in the modern meta. Next up, we have a four-color deck run by Moksha. And this four-color deck is a Kahira Omnath uh, five co- or four-color goodness. So Omnath, Omnath, Jesus, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's up with me today. Maybe we should just take a night off. Om, Omnath, Omnath. So the deck has three Omnath, Locus of Creation, a playset of Solitudes, and then it's just Planeswalkers galore with four Teferi, Time Raveler, four Renin Six, three Jace the Mind Sculptor, two Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, and in the spell section, just like drawing, countering, and killing things with Prismatic Ending, Counterspell, Expressive Iteration, Force of Negation, and Supreme Verdict. And yeah, you're just drawing through your deck and just dropping down, like, a de- an elemental deck with only two elementals in it is a hell of a thing to see. I mean, you can't even really call it elemental deck. I don't know if there's a a name for it yet, or if it's just, or if it's just a four color, four color pile, four color pile. But in third place by Watu, there is a blue white control deck with Kahira as the companion because it has four solitudes, which are elementals. And this also has Planeswalkers, not as much, but Teferi Time Raveler, a single Jace the Mind Sculptor, two 
Teferi Hero of Dominaria. And then there's a lot more in the spell package where if a playset of Spreading Seas, a single Shark Typhoon in here to like hit lands and make sharks. And then you got Counterspell, Prismatic Ending, Dovin's Veto, Archmage's Charm. And then uh, two Memory Deluge in here as one of the newest cards. But that's your third place, blue-white. And now we got another four-color deck here by Alt Niccolo. It's a Yorion, Yorion Elemental deck. Yorion Blink. We have a Yorion Blink deck here. So it has all the good elemental incarnations from Modern Horizons 2. Playset of Fury, Playset of Solitude, and two Endurance. Four Ice Fang Quaddle, four Omnath Locus of Creation, and then playsets of Ren and Six and Teferi Time Raveler. And in here, they got the spell section is just Ephemerates, Lightning Bolts, Prismatic Endings, and four Lightning Helixes. I'm assuming with a play like this, they were expecting Burn, because Burn has been a, a, a deck that was talked about a lot recently in the last like two weeks in the modern world as a potential up-and-coming Oh, or not an up-and-coming, a, a very well-positioned deck in the meta. So I'm guessing Lightning Helix was in there to help stifle the the burn the burn matchup. In fifth place, we have a blue-black mill deck. Gotta love it. So it got the playset of the Hedron Crabs, the eight crabs. Hedron, Ruin. And then in the spell section, it's going for Tasha's Hideous Laughter, Archive, Trap, and then Fractured Sanity, as well as Surgical Extractions to like pick apart the graveyard, Murderous Cut, so that way it can just delve and kill a creature. Into the story, to be drawing more cards, to be casting more spells. And one thing I want to point out here is in the sideboard, in the sideboard, a single Baleful Mastery which is black three instant, you may pay black one rather than pay this spell's mana cost. If black one was paid, an opponent draws a card, and then it's exile, target creature, or planeswalker. So essentially, two mana, exile, a creature, or planeswalker, instant speed. This card came out in Strixhaven. This card is really good, in my opinion, for a two mana, exile, a creature, or planeswalker. At the cost of getting your opponent a card, it doesn't seem bad in mill because like that's one less card in their library that'll get them down there. And I guess maybe there's an argument for maybe a couple more a couple more decks could maybe see Baleful Mastery played, but that's neither here nor there. We are not that kind of a podcast. In sixth place by a deck piloted by... Oh, jeez. Do, do you want to take a shot at this name there, Danny? Which one? This one. Oh, I was literally just looking at his. Or theirs. Ziyang Hukai. Huakai. Yeah, sure. I think that's pretty close. Z-Yang. With another four-color pile deck here, and this is slightly different because it only has three Omnath Locus of Creation, a single Fury, and four Solitudes. But it's going back into the typical package of Planeswalkers with Teferi, Teferi Hero of Dominaria and Time Raveler, Jace the Mind Sculpture, and Ren and Six. And I think they went up on more lands here, if I'm not mistaken. This version has 24... This version has... Oh, it went down on lands. Where are their creatures at then? They're just going more into the spell section with counterspells, prismatics, and stuff like that. Hmm. Very interesting. In seventh place, we got another four-color pile here with that is companioned by Kahira. Basically the same as the last one. Yeah, yeah. This is a mere, almost a mere deck by Bob the Dog, Gabriel Nassif. 
to hold twenty dollars more than the last deck. Hmm. I wonder what's in there. That's probably the land. More. Yeah, somewhere in the land. Or we don't pay too much attention to the land section, which maybe we should. You know, because if we look here, this actually has a lonely sandbar, a single cycling card in the whole deck. Ooh, I'm in. Um, that is the difference. Is it really the lonely sandbar? Oh, never mind. Like, I thought it was just lone, a lonely sandbar, like one sandbar, but yeah. it's actually lonely sandbar. But yeah, it's in there. Let me see if I can. Well, it does look like the other deck, the the sixth place deck by Ziyang Huakai runs snow lands instead of basics, the, the, the non-snow lands, which is what uh, Gabriel Nassif is doing here. That right there could be the cost difference. So, eighth place. Yep. There it is. How are you? How excited are you for this one here, Danny? It's all right. We have a burn deck, uh, a burn prowess combination it's, deck here. It's a prowess deck, uh, piloted by Gabriel ninety one, with a companion of Jengantha, the Wellspring, and this is a very packed creature deck, having a playset of each DRC, Monastery Swiss Spears, Soulscar Mage, Abbot of Carol Keep. That's a card we haven't seen in such a long time. And four Bone Crusher Giants. In here, it's just playset tribal is what this fucking deck is built of. Because you got fire bolts, lava darts, lightning bolts, light up the stage. And in here, they also have four Relic of Progenitus. And in the land section, always got to note the land section here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, clearly, because we don't do that that often. But Den of the Bugbear from AFR. This is a very aggressive card. I know we've talked about it before. I'm very hyped on this card in like any red deck. I think we've talked to, like you specifically have put your two cents on how you feel about Den of the Bugbear in red aggressive style decks, Danny, haven't you? Maybe. I don't know. No idea. I just don't understand why they're running companion with this deck. There's no reason for it. There is no reason for it, but that's the thing. This deck, like, you meet the compa- you, you meet the cost of having just an eighth card in your opening hand. Like, this but is... You, I thought you had to pay for it. Yeah, you gotta pay three mana to put it into your hand. Yeah, which... which is super aggressive for a, a, a mono-red deck. Like, you need eight mana in two turns to cast this out. There's no reason to run it. Yeah, and there's, there's no... In a, in a mono-red, even if it's just prowess, there's no reason to run it. It's it's weighing out a spot of like, do I need this extra sideboard slot or should I try and have an eighth card that's going to be really hard for me to cast? Like, I agree with you. I don't think a mono, uh, a prowess style deck is going to get to five lands to reliably cast a Jangatha. But I think that's the thing. It's like a burn deck. If it goes into the late game, they just get a five five trampler that just adds mana. So it taps to like just help you cast a lightning bolt at some point so you don't have to don't tap know. a land. It's, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like it's kind of a waste of a card slot. I would agree with you, but a lot of players are in the point... This ain't the first time that we've had so many companions in the top eight. Since Aquaria came out, there's oh, been yeah, com- plenty of times where... Companions running all modern, basically. Um, But it's just, as a mono-red player, it just seems weird to have it there. Like if you're getting if 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 your red deck is running well, you're not gonna want to pay three to get them into your hand. You're never gonna make it. To wait, five. wait, turn, and then wait two turns to cast them again. It's just you have other things. You should be winning by turn four. 
Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm with you on there, this. There's no reason to have it. The, and, and if you're and if you're going just for the the restrictions of his companion rules, then do it by yourself. I don't know. It's just there's better things you could put in there. The the only argument that I would have for a companion is if, but this is more like building around the companion. But it's like Obosh, the Sky Piercer, the uh, odd, the odd companion, where mm-hmm. all your cards have to be odd, and then it doubles damage. Yep. When a source deals damage, deals double damage. So, I mean, but that's building the deck around Obosh kind of a thing. And you're kind of hoping to get to five mana because it's the same. It's Rakdos, Rakdos, three for a three, five, I think it's its power. But yep. at that point, it don't matter because it's like you're just building the deck around that to try and like maximize or get to the point where you can double damage. But at that point, that still does feel like a win more. I don't know. I don't know. It, it just seems it's. I don't know. It's just one of those things that just does not make sense. It's a free card. It's a free card. It's an eighth card in your hand or a seventh card if you mulligan down. Like, that's that's yeah, that's like... I, the, I, I get that point, but it's still... I don't know. I don't think it's worth it. Well, a lot of people in the community have been bringing up the fact, like, every time a top eight shows up, um, SEG, SEG Con, we talked about this. I don't think we uh, highlighted it specifically, but... Seven of the eight decks in the SCG con that happened the other week yep. had companions. Yeah. Kira, Luris, and uh, Yorion. Were, well, were Yorion's good. Yeah. Luris is good as a companion. Like, Jacantha isn't really that good as a companion. I don't know. A five mana, five, five trample, that gives you some mana. Doesn't take you, it costs you eight to get it, though. Eight mana for a five, five. Right. There's a lot better things to do with 8-mana than get a 5-5. Five, five. I won't disagree with you there. And then have restrictions on your deck because of that 5-5. Five, five. But if the if your deck already falls into the restrictions, like if you're just building your deck normally, and then it's like, oh, hey, look, I can have Jengatha in Yeah, here. I get that, but it's just one of those things like, there's better cards. That's just that's my only argument. It's just yeah. better cards. Yeah, there are definitely better cards than Jengatha. Like, Jengatha is just a solid card. Like it, like it's just, an okay card. Like add another land, maybe. Well, this is in the sideboard slot. Like so, since it's taking up a sideboard I slot, suppose. like in, in this case, like what are you gonna do? Are you gonna put the the fourth shattering spree or the fourth ratchet bomb in there? <laughs> since we're talking about this this red deck. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're just weighing it out, and I guess Gabriel here was just banking on the fact that you know maybe it's more important in this or in this or challenge just, to have Jengatha. Or just have a random card in your sideboard. A one of a Any, random card. Anything else, just don't put Jengatha in there. It's, God it's damn just, it. <laughs> like in a mono red deck, it's just not... There's How often are you going to play an 8, eight drop 5-5 five, five in a mono red deck? It's true. With no way of actually adding land to it. I think I think the, the or adding the, mana. I think the hi- the part that we got to highlight here is the fact that it's five mana to cast and again. Like red decks, like you're having four lava darts, you're sacking mountains to flashback this thing. Yep. So, yeah, like if you if you're sacking mountains for lava dart, you should be winning. You should only do that as a last resort to kill the person. Like I would, I'd probably, t- I'd probably take it out and sideboard a Torbrand or something that actually like, adds on to the damage you're dealing. But that's just me, because I like non-combat damage. But there is your guys' Sunday challenge, modern challenge. Hey, that was a salt report. That was a salt report. 
Yeah, we don't have assault reports. Um, I played some commander, but I can't remember the games very well. Because you got. Yeah, I got, I got, I got crushed both games. I was playing. I know I was playing Verena. I just added some new cards. I changed it up. So I tried to have a gimmick of making it. So the name of the deck was uh, Dead of Winter because I had the card Dead of Winter in there and Snow Basics, and it was just like having a, it was having a few snow permanents and stuff in there. But at the end, it was like it was. I felt like I was taken too much away from the deck. Like it wasn't very snow. There wasn't many snow zombies because I wanted to make it zombie tribal have snows there's there's a few but so i took that away and i wanted to test it out but i just got railed the uh, forbidden alchemy like there's i was telling danny before the before the cast that uh, i was just spinning my wheels faithful mending factor fiction and like uh forbidden alchemy as all spells to like draw cards fill my graveyard and i just i just couldn't get anything into my hand or my graveyard that would help me do things and i just had maybe like, you should stop playing a, blue shenanigan <laughs> bullshit and play some real cards like Naya. I do got a Naya deck. I was tempted to play my Naya deck at that point. You should have. Did not. Because I'm like, Verena, I just made changes. I want to see these changes. Yeah, but you don't have any win cons on that Naya deck. I have Titanic Ultimatum, sir. We've covered this before. Yeah, but how many creatures are you running in the deck? I think there's like 20. Because a lot of them are like ETB, you tutor lands. E- it dies, you tutor lands. Or ETBs, you tutor for a creature. You've seen them all. Titanic Ultimatum is good in token decks. I mean, just put. I mean, it's good already on big creature decks. Well, like, it, yeah. I got, I got the one worm, the two mana five five worm, and then I got the four mana Baldwin Weir heavyweights oh, and stuff like that. They're yeah, aided, I have so, those. In, I have those in my deck too. So just making them stronger is going to be really good and stuff. Yeah, because making an eight eight into a thirteen thirteen does not give your opponent a lot of good blocking options. And the thing True. is, trample, lifelink, vigilance, and vigilance. No, for, no first strike, right? I'll need to check it out real quick. Well, well, I should I should know this by heart, but one would think. But yeah, so the uh, the salt report, not much there this week, uh, which is unfortunate. First strike, lifelink, and trample. There we go. First strike, no vigilance. We haven't been playing magic a lot recently, which is unfortunate. I want to play more magic. I want to play a lot more magic. My cards are here, but I don't think we'll be playing. We can at seven thirty. Let's uh, blaze. Well, if we get let's this blaze shit done this. with, maybe. So let's move to the upcoming events. So first up, we're going to tell you about the Eternal Weekend that is happening. Um, I actually think we skipped this section there, man. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Don't worry about it. I am tired, bro. So Eternal Weekend is coming back to MTGO November 19th through the 21st and the 26th through the 28th. So... According to the article here, just like last year, we're bringing Eternal Weekend experience to Magic Online where you can battle against the best legacy and vintage, play- vintage players for amazing prizes, including exclusive new artwork, versions of oversized cards, Time Twister, Wasteland, and more. Ooh. So how to participate? You'll need a full Magic Online account. If you don't have one yet, create one. It's free and for a basic full account purchasing the upgrade kit will help after you have your full account by the eternal weekend token an entry costs 25 usd and will be available at 10 a.m pacific time on monday november 15th so next week you can buy those tokens after the per- purchase is processed you'll have access to almost every card in magic online until wednesday december 1st wow that's actually pretty fucking good Nice. So you can start brewing up a collection, head over, play those decks, and when you're ready to get some games in, go to the constructed play lobby, select the format 
that matches your deck where you can join the open player tournament tournament practice room to get some more practice in and if you're ready to battle players for prizes you can join a league so uh start times we got friday november 19th 5 p.m and then it goes the whole weekend for oh that's for the wasteland event and then so yeah friday november 19th 5 p.m to enter in for the wasteland to get the full art wasteland on moto you get start start at 5 p.m pacific time and then UTC Saturday, November twentieth, and JST Saturday, November twentieth at one and ten p.m. a.m. respectively. Uh, the Bayou for Saturday for PSD, which is American time zone, is November twentieth at two a.m. Sylvan Library is Sunday, November twenty-first at ten a.m. So those are all formatted to Legacy. And yeah, nothing too fancy with the arts. They look good, very elegant. Oh shit! I just realized. I think the the wasteland is the the Tron Land art from Double Masters. Does that look like that? Uh yeah, it's Mark T. The, it's the city that Karn was looking at. Yeah, it looks like looks, it looks like that from the mountaintop. No confirmation on that. But then you participate in the vintage one, and you can get access to Mox Emerald, Mox Emerald, Time Twister, or Mox Ruby, and those have roughly the same kind of uh, time frames. Full links in the description down below for that. Next upcoming event, we have the returning of the Hooglandia over on MTG Melee this upcoming Sunday. So the 24th or the 14th. 14th? Sunday. Yeah, Sunday the 14th. We have at 11 a.m. the Hooglandia Open, sponsored by CoolStuffing.com and Metify.gg will be happening. Entry fee is $4 plus $1, so $5 total. The format is standard. Right now, there are nine people enrolled out of 256. So the details are Sunday, November 14th. Must check in by 1045. First round begins at 11. Standard format. Uh, double elimination. Limit of 256 players. Entry fee, 5 bucks. Must be subscribed to Jeff Hoogland on Twitch TV to participate. Mm -hmm. That's all the information they give. Prizes, first place, you get $150 into Cool Stuff store credit and then an open champion Discord roll. And then second place, you get $120 in Cool Stuff credit. Seven match wins, you get $100 in Cool Stuff cool stuff credit. Six, you get 80. Five, you get 60. Four, you get 40. Three, you get 20. And then casters, cool deck prizes given to two players with the most creative decks that get at least two wins. Don't know what that is, but yeah. Links in the description down below for you guys to sign in for that one. And then the final upcoming event, the biggest one right now at the moment, is the Magic the Gathering Las Vegas, sponsored by Channel Fireball. This is happening the 19th through the 21st, where there's a bunch of different events going on. They have a modern main event and a limited main event happening on Friday and Saturday. And then a bunch of side tournaments going on as well. In these main events, there's a pretty big cash prize, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, first place both for Modern and Limited can win up to $2,500. Yeah, and you can go gamble it away right afterwards. Yeah, just go down the strip and stuff. But yeah, they're stacked full with with events. Like if you drop out of the main events, you have events to play, like ranging from two-headed sealed uh two-headed sealed deck events 
to Keldheim drafts to some more modern or standard double up. They got Pioneer, Strixhaven draft, Legacy double up and stuff like that. Like you're you're going to be entertained while you're there. And they have a bunch of different bundles that you can purchase so that way you can play these events. But links down in the description below if you're interested. We do know Wade is going down there. Uh, Wade and Noah? No, yeah, it was Noah or Slade. I think it was Noah. I'm probably. Either way. If it's, easy to check and see, if it, but if it's the other one, let us know. But yeah, we got some, we got some fine magic folk going to be going down there. Yep. Good luck to both of you. Now, after that, br- uh, that breakdown, after those events at the Boggle Desk, let's jump over to the Blogatog with Danny again. Do you want to read yours? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess we're jumping over to the Blogatog with me first. Well, I was just asking. No, no, that's all good. I'll read this really quick. So this one by, <laughs> I like the name on this one too. A question asked by Dragon Girl Titties <laughs> asks, I think of a lot of the once per turn complaints come less from a mechanical perspective and more from a gut feeling perspective. Reading a very cool ability only to have this triggers once per turn at the end is a bit of a downer. Has there been a thought into moving the restriction to be earlier in the trigger, i.e. once per turn when a creature dies, draw a card. So this is referring to a lot of the cards in Crimson Vow that have those only do this once per turn trigger at the end of it, which is a lot of cards, surprisingly, when you're looking at the list. So Mark replies back stating, I think people are overestimating the importance of of a card reading as optimally as possible. It's okay to have cards that seem weaker than they are at first blush. Part of the fun of magic is the exploration of finding cards that are better than others think. Having clean and consistent templates that maximize their using gameplay just trumps making a first impression 23% better. And uh, I don't know, like I saw that and I was just very intrigued because yeah, you definitely saw a lot of discourse online talking about this would be so good if it only, if it just didn't trigger once per turn. The, I, I agree with that, but the reason why they are once per turn is because if it if it weren't once per turn, most of them would be broken easily and quickly. Well, I think if they weren't once per turn, they'd have to readjust the mana cost. Like one of the first things that popped in my head was Murmuring Mystic. It is three and a blue for a one four wizard. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery, you make a one one blue illusion bird creature token. Yep. And that you can do as many times as you want. And that doesn't see play. So the argument of like, oh, it, it shouldn't have do this only once per turn. And it's like, but, but Murmuring Mystic doesn't see play. I don't know. Like, there's, it's, a weak, it's a weak argument against it, but. Like, there, there's, just, uh, there's a couple cards where, like, you, you sack a blood and then you get something. But then there's a card like, hey, once you get one of these, you create a blood. Like, there's so many infinite combos. It's, I want to say there's. Oh, yeah. There's ways of creating infinites real quick, real easy. Yeah. Like, and if, th- if it were, like we're saying, more than once per turn, it'd just be stupid in standard. Standard does not need that. Standard doesn't need it. Modern doesn't need it. Commander doesn't need it. Like, going on infinite loops already around the commander table, like, rule zero conversations are like, do you have any influence loops and stuff like that? Like, yep. you got to be careful with something like that. And I don't know. I think I think Mark is definitely right. Like, I'm perfectly fine with having cards that state only do this once per turn because then you know restriction breeds creativity. Like that was a, that's a thing as a brewer that always plays in the back of my head. Yep. 
and stuff like that. And when you get cards like this, it's like, well, this one only triggers once per turn. So what happens if I get all four out or if I do a copy enchantment or copy creature to get a double the effect and stuff like, and then you have something that like doubles the double and stuff. So let me double the double and doubling doubles and shit like that. So yeah. Yeah, no, I'm Keegan and I were talking about that at work. I can't remember what it was, which car it was. But for something that just triggers once per turn. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can just copy it. No, actually, you can't copy it because it's once per turn. You can't copy an ability that says happens once a turn. Right, but if you have two different versions of them, they both trigger once per turn. Um. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, when I was saying copy the ability, so something like Stronic Resonator on we got to pull up one of these cards with the effects on there you got that pulled up there then are you looking yeah. at someone with a once per turn so read the card that you're um, looking at and then we'll go from i'm there. trying to find one that so stronic resonator triggers uh you activate it to copy a triggered or no an activated ability so not a triggered so you need something like lithoform engine then to copy a triggered ability so if it Trigger if a, if you copy ability that can only be done once per turn, the other wouldn't resolve. Yep. On that same one. Yep. But having two enchantments would allow you to have them both individually triggering once per turn because it's card. So cast a spell, make a blood token. Do this only once per turn. Mm-hmm. So if you have um, if you cast a spell once per turn, copy it. One effect, the copy would resolve, but the original would not because you can only do it once per turn, so it fizzle. But now, if you have two of this thing that makes a makes a blood do this only once per turn, would they only still do it once per turn? Judge, you lost me. I stopped listening. Yeah, yeah, that was a little confusing there. So, because um, I'm just trying to find the card I was looking, or we were talking about. Well, that is perfectly fine. Let's let's move on to the next part then before before we lose even more people to Actually, <laughs> the confusing talk of bloods and once per turn and doubling doubles doubles. Let me check something real quick. Live checking. <sighs> but yeah, it was like a two card combo that was gonna be infinite like infinite damage, but it's like wait, you can only activate this once. Odd turn. Well, I I feel it allows them to do like more it's weird to say like pushed abilities but like uh elevated abilities i guess would probably be a better thing to do like you can do this awesome thing but only once per turn yeah like a cap i feel like that's it's a good way for them to be like testing their they always talk about it's a a way to like hey here's a powerful card but it's already nerfed now imagine uh, if it's once per turn you can still do it on your opponent's turn so like you're getting two things yep per rotation or like four things in commander. Like I'm just, like one v one, probably not as good. But like in a commander game, that's still four triggers. Like if you can trigger it once each opponent's turn, seems yeah, pretty, yeah. If if you can activate it, it seems pretty good. I'd say so. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough talking about that. To the blogatog bullshit part two. Ah, uh, so this one we go to Galvan Bender. Not as better than Dragon Girl titties. Anyway, uh, titties. you and your Dragon titties. Hey, man, um, I will be donkey to some dragon titties. Oh, my God. Bring a flag for copyright infringement for Shrek. Great balls of fire. <laughs> anyway, so Galvan kind of went for a longer one. They state, so core sets have been retired. Commander decks have moved from any possible and any amount of 
planes to fitting within the flavor of whatever set they were uh, they were released in. In our next Commander Legends product is going to be based on a non-Magic IP, as in our next direct to modern set. Experimental supplemental products like um, Arch Enemy and Plane Chase haven't seen a new release in years. I felt like we were in a golden age of magic, exploring its multiverse, being able to catch up on all the old and new faces without requiring a new bombastic set to focus it. But now, despite magic making more products than ever, there seems to be less room than there will has ever been in over a decade to explain the world or expand the world outside of self-contained standard sets. Is there anything to look forward for people like me who miss the world touring aspect of supplemental products? Mark, with just as long of a response as above, here's a homework assignment for someone who has some time on their hands. Uh, look at all the legendary creatures released each year that were based on pre-existing characters in the lore that didn't yet have a card. My guess is the data is going to show the last bunch of years are the best time ever in Magic's history for it. Magic makes a lot of products. We're going to have an ample opportunities in the future to print legendary creature cards for characters from the game's past. For the first time, we even have a premiere set built around going back to the past to revisit a classic magic story. I think the doom and the gloom is a little overstated. Uh, Vorthos should be very happy of things coming in the future. Fair response, but it, I, I think he sidestepped the question there. He definitely lawyered his answer. Yeah, he did. Because Galvin here is talking about visiting planes and then Mark goes on talking about all these legendary creatures and the story behind it. It's like, cool, yeah, I get it. You're diving more into the story of the planes that you're making it to, but talking about like visiting all these different planes and stuff. He he redirected where the person is going with his answer, Um, but I understand why or his person or Galvin's mind thought on his question. Like, yeah, we are getting... We are now in the age of Secret Lairs and Walking Dead and King Kong and, again, like the commander sets coming out, Warhammer. Yep, yep. The next direct to modern set, which is going to be uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like, some of these can have, can be tied in pretty easily. Obviously, Matt, our Lord of the Rings can easily be tied in because it's basically. Throne of Eldraine 2.0, Warhammer, I guess I've never played it. Isn't that like... It's very spacey from my understanding. Yeah, I have, I don't know. Um, and then, like we are talking about last week or the week before, how Magic announced that they're going to reprint the secret layers that are going to be di- like direct to, or going to be printed in the list as... Real magic cards. Oh, uh, th- that was specifically talking about uh, the Walking Dead because the Walking Dead prior was stated. Yeah, they're n- they're the ones not getting that reprint treatment into the list. Um, the Stranger Things. There we go. The Stranger Things one was when it was announced as like, hey, remember these are going to be in the list, but the Walking Dead is not. And then Wizards went back on the Walking Dead saying, hey, we're doing it this way. Yeah. So it's just I. Like I said, I understand why he asked it and what he's trying to get across. 
But Mark also being Mark and being good with words. He has to do what he has to do. No, I I can't let people know what they got planned for two years in advance and shit. So it's like I get it, but it's still a fact of like magic's changed since I started. Oh, for sure. And I've only been playing for ten years. Ten years is a lot in comparison. It is, but I mean those who've been playing since ninety three. Oh yeah, the game changed from 93 to 2003 and from 2003 to uh, 2013 and now it's changing from 2013 to 2023. Yeah. Like, that's just the thing. A decade is going to make a whole wave of changes for a game that's trying to be a legacy style game that's going to keep going. I get get that, but it's still a fact of, I don't know, it's it's like you have your thing. I, I get trying to get people to come in and play the game and to buy cards, but it's another to piggyback off another pulp culture to get someone to play your pulp culture game. You needed to just stop at the butt there because everything before the butt is just, it's a company. They want people to play their game. They make more money. That's the bottom line. We always yep. have to like, when it comes to things that get decided, we got to take a step back and remember Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro is a company yep. that's doing I, this I, I get for this. money. I get this. And it, they got to find the right balance of like making money, making their player base happy, so but the player base still keeps money. But we're an money. opinionated news Oh, broadcast. no, by far. And stuff. And that's why it's and like, I'm just I'm just saying I understand where his, his question is coming from or his concerns are coming from. Oh, for sure. But I agree with you. Him. Galvin. I would like to point out as well, talking about Planes Chase and Arch Enemy. Remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about how Melissa Del Toro started the, Inside Wizards started the casual play committee? Yep. And stuff like that. I think, I I have high hopes for this. Like maybe this is going to be the kind of thing that we need to get more supplemental products like Arch Enemy, like Planes Chase, and maybe, maybe even Vanguard. What's Vanguard? So Vanguard is a format like... Oh, Vanguard. Yeah. Okay, what's Vanguard? So Vanguard, you'd start with um, like these uh, uh, global enchantment effects, kind of a thing. Like you take yeah. you take these main characters, typically from the store, uh, the stronghold, weather lights yep. era and stuff, and they'd give you different effects. Like all oh, your creatures get plus one, plus one, or your max hand size yeah. is increased by two, or yep. artifact spells cost one less. And stuff. Yep. Like that's all Vanguard does. It's like a big card that just sticks out that you keep getting this continuous effect. So it's a plane chase card. It's a, a commander card with an eminence commander. That you just can't cast because oh. you can't bring it into the battlefield. Okay. It just stays yep. there. And you just kind of so, get that effect. So it's and a like lot of people would shuffle up, hand out the cards randomly, and then you'd have that effect. Or you can. Build so it. it's what Commander. Yeah, because this was before fifteens. This was before Commander. With oh, but I mean, but I mean, it's it's what they tried to do with that Commander set. It was just with trying to be heads. another. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess I could kind of see some sort of example with that. Like take abilities, have abilities from outside of a game. In the game. Because those eminence abilities triggered even in the command zone. Correct. So, but okay, yeah, so it's it's like that and Planes Chase. But yeah, so. Instead of everyone, it's just you. With uh, the casual play committee now being a thing, I do have, I don't know, I'm just an optimistic guy when it comes to a lot of this shit. I'm hoping that because of a specific group, maybe, there's not only going to be a higher, a higher, a more fine-tooth comb looked at standard sets and stuff to like help pick out like oh this is more of a commander card don't put it in like a standard set put it in the commander product or like aim for it at this kind of a rarity and yep. maybe like they can start like 
developing more of those other supplemental products like a Plains Chase, like an Arch Enemy. Because the last Arch Enemy tech we got was that Nickel Bulls one that came out around Amonkhet time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Because you had the Gideon, Nyssa, and Chandra deck against a Nickel Bullis deck. Yeah, it was with the Gatewatch. Yeah. First Nickel. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was around Amonkhet time. But. Yeah, that was a while. That was like when I first started. Yeah. No, a little after. I think I well, was like I mean, 2015, so like two, three years. You know what I'm saying? is like, yeah, it's pretty like, early well, on. I think I got out of standard at that time. Well, let's take a quick music break right here, and then we'll jump back into the podcast. Hello and welcome back. Let's start off the news section with some important dates. This Thursday, the 11th, Innistrad Crimson Vow releases digitally everywhere. Moto, Arena, and some old lady's server. Be careful about that one. Don't put your card information in there. So get ready to test out your new brews and strap in for some new meta all over Standard, Pioneer, and Modern. Watsi stated in an article on their website, quote, Plus, keep an eye out for another Innistrad Crimson Vow treat as we approach the release of the MTG Arena and Magic Online release November 11th. No idea what that is, but just wanted to point that out there. There's going to be something else coming with Crimson Vow that's important to Crimson Vow. So, uh, with the digital release happening Thursday, that means the pre-release is this weekend at an LGS near you. If you're in the FM area, go hit up JDubs and let them know that we sent you. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And with that... That means the full paper set release of Crimson Vow will be happening the following Friday, the 19th. All the cards will be available for purchase wherever you want. J-Dubs. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Done with the nudge, nudges. And the wink, winking. Good. Uh, Next, there's a rata information on an upcoming card getting released in Crimson Vow. The card is Blood Veil uh, Provider. Two black black for five five vampire with flying and trample. Its ability is whenever an opponent casts whenever an opponent casts a spell, that player creates a blood token. Whenever blood veil per attack uh, per um, per attacks, it gets plus one plus zero for each blood token defending player controls. So the errata in question is its last ability. It doesn't say it gets plus one plus zero until end of turn. So players were curious curious. If this was intentional, on a reply from Saffron Olive's post asking this question, Watsi tweeted, until end of turn, and quotation, doesn't appear on the printed card, but it will be in its oracle text with, our, with the release of the set. The ability will read, whenever Blood Veil Provider attacks, it gets plus one plus zero until end of turn for each blood token defending player controls. That would be broken. It just got plus one plus zero oh for each blood. Yeah, and it just permanently and it just sits. And and that, and that's the thing that brought magic players, the inquisitive minds, want to know kind of a thing to this and stuff. It's like, hey, it doesn't say they go away. Uh, there's a couple of other instances and stuff of things like that, of where you know it gets plus one plus one just permanently and stuff. Yep. But those were with like older cards, and it's not like this is the first time Wazi has had to do like a, a functional errata pretty early on because of a misprint or misphrasing of something. Yep. One that pops into my mind is Hostage Taker. That one was pretty popular because uh, with the original wording of it, you'd be able to like blink itself, and then it'd be like a big loop that it could do. So this ain't the first time Wazi does this. 
But speaking of changes, Watsi released their changes to the list. We'll cover some of the cards getting added to the list and whatever they mean and whatever it can mean in the finance section. But here are a few cards getting added. The Eternal Masters printing of Vampiric Tutor, Wheel of Sun and Moon, the Jumpstart printing of Exquisite Blood, and Geralt's Messenger, just to name a few. And here's a few of the cards that are getting removed from the current list. Uh, Lord of the Undead, The Chain Veil, Scythrix, and Scythrix the Blight Dragon. Full list to that down below if you're interested in list cards, but we'll cover that here more in a second in the finance section. Uh, so next up, we have an interesting story. TCG Player announced last Thursday, the 4th, that they acquired Roca Robotics, Inc. To those who don't know uh, Roca Robotics, they are makers of the Roca Sorter. Uh, the Roca Sorter is, a, is, quote, the world's leading robotic card sorting machine for the trading card market, end quote. Uh, this machine can sort thousands of cards an hour at 99% accuracy and give you a CSV file for all the cards it just sorted for you to upload to a marketplace. I just showed Danny the video of this thing, and that thing is pretty fucking intense. Yeah, the only thing is, like, I, the whole card bend, like, when it picks up a card. T- did it bend? I thought it was, like, yeah, a little it, vacuum. Nope, oh, it, 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 like, pinched it. Ooh, I missed that part. Like, it, it was long way, and it pinched, so it's not, like... So it's hot dog bun. No, not hot dog. I, I, like, it picks the card up like lengthwise. That. Oh, okay. Not not short side length. Uh, Sorry. Oh, gotcha. It's just one of those things, like, oof, like... What if it malfunctions or something and then... That is very true. And then if you're... This seems to be a machine that's typically designed for, like, sorting bulk. Like, I don't think you're going to be putting your Mox Emeralds and No, I, I get like that, that, but it's here. still... Bulk is still some serious right. money. Yeah, and especially if you, like, wait long enough. Like, the Brainstorm Brewery guys, they have their a section of their podcast called Breaking Bulk where... You just have a bulk box, and it's like, hey, just so you guys know, this card is no longer bulk. It's not like five cents; it's now seventy-five cents or a buck twenty-five and stuff. Yep. So bulk is important. Yeah. So those those only things. Like, I think it'd be better for suction, but yeah, like a light suction because the card's not doesn't weigh much, right? So it wants to take a lot of power, but yeah, I think it was just a, a different way of a grabbing would be better, or would have been better. Well, I think this is going to be good for this merger of these two companies then because... Oh, for sure. How many people heard of Rocka, uh, Rocka Robotics Labs before today, if that's the instance? Like, I don't, I've like, never heard of them. It's, they're, they're not the ones that you saw on YouTube of having these cool sorters and stuff that look like a bunch of like deck shufflers because they've been around since 2017, I think the article stated, and they're... Their their main goal is to be marketing towards like LGS's brick and mortar stores, not yep. just like the online TCG backpack person, mm-hmm. as as has been getting tossed around. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want a card shuffler sorter if I have magic cards that I'm trying to sell. Yeah, or it's, sort. It's, it's like it, that's a lot of money putting through a card shuffler. It's 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 or a corn or a coin separator. Rocket Robotics is definitely trying to put its foot into the market of people that bring in massive quantities of cards to like get sorted through and help them out because the machine looks cool and it it sorts cards at at a ninety nine percent accuracy like 
Yeah. It's, it's curious to hear that it's well, that it's, high. Well, it's still better than human because human, I'm sure, is not a 99% accuracy. There, there's definitely going to be some mess-ups. Um, in a video on their YouTube channel, the creator was talking about how he came up with the idea because in California, it's too much to like hire a person <laughs> to yep. like sort cards yep. for the minimal amount of work that it takes to sort cards and stuff. So that's why they came up with the idea of this machine to be like doing well, I'm sure it's not even it's not even the minimum time. It's the fact that machines can do it in two hours. Your humans can take you five, six hours. What's that classic story of the guy that battled a train? Like who could dig it through a mountain? That was uh, between a, a steam machine to dig through a, a mountain and a guy with like two pickaxes. Yeah, that's like a, the, an American the, fable. Right there, it, it actually actually is man v machine um, living on to card sorting age. That that was within it was uh, Paul Bunyan versus the chainsaw. Oh, was that where that came from too? Yeah, he was in that. Um, yeah, it was the railroad guy versus the jackhammer. Ooh, ooh, quick Google pause here. Then, hey Google, what's the story of the guy who dug through a mountain versus a steam engine? According to Wikipedia, according to legend, John Henry's prowess as a steel driver was measured in a race against a steam-powered rock drilling machine, a race that he won only to die in victory with hammer in hand as his heart gave out from stress. Boom. Google for the win there, folks. Yep. <laughs> I gave it, I mean, I thought I gave it a good amount of information, and it did with it. John Henry, American legend, fucking up that steam engine. <laughs> okay, so... Y'all remember the story that we talked about the other week about a person who stole a bunch of cards from three different stores in the Saint, uh, the St. Louis, Missouri area? Well, they caught the guy. This article from KPVI News Station from that area, they reported that Nicholas Garrison, 23, of Tulsa, Oklahoma, was charged with burglary, theft over $10,000, and criminal damage to property over $10,000. They caught the guy with some new license plate reader technology cameras that were just added into the St. Louis area, and Garrison was arrested in Bedford, Texas. Just a reminder for the stores that got nicked again uh, were Realms of Gaming, Yeti Games, and Game Nights. All of them have posted up their losses, and I'm pretty sure all of them are happy that the guy was caught because they all, like, uh, Game Night recorded or stated that they had like $300,000 worth of cards, Magic and Pokemon cards that were jacked from them. And I think and it was Realms of Gaming had 100000 at least is what they reported as well. So yep. this guy got away with a lot of money. But they caught him and all they're still doing an investigation but at Garrison's place they found a bunch of the cards still there. So well there you have it for our news section for this week. As always now, let's jump into the finance section. Cha-ching. We gotta come up with better names. So it crossed my mind. So in the Discord we have our finance tab called Conjured Currency, and I figure maybe we could just like paste that over here into the actual into the actual podcast because you know, there's a card called Conjured Currency from original Ravnica. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was looking for names of, looking for names of like money stuff in Magic, like Conjured Currency popped up, and I'm like, ooh, I like that. Yeah. So this week in Conjured Currency, 
we're going to be reading an article from MTG Stocks called The Weekly Winners. Ooh, this feels so good. Just call it contract currency instead of the finance section. There's more pizzazz to it, Danny. More pizzazz. Just fangirling over there. I am. So they have a weekly article that gets posted every Friday called The Weekly Winners. In, the, in it, the author talks about three to five cards that are trending up in price. And then at the end, they close with their cheap pickup segment that they talk about three to five cards that are moving down in price. So we record Mondays and prices may have changed between Friday and Monday. And we will let you know of those changes as they happen. So let's get started with this week's weekly winners. So starting off, we have Abundance. Green Green 2 Enchantment. If you would draw a card, you may instead choose land or non-land and reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card of that chosen kind. Put that card into your hand and put all cards revealed this way on the bottom of your library in any order. This has had several printings. You have an Urza Saga, a 10th edition, a Commander 17, then you have a Zendikar Commander deck printing. All of these have jumped up in price from like 50 cents to like $5 to $15. The biggest one is the Urza Saga printing. But all this card, the card that we're talking about right now is the Zenikar Rising Commander deck one. It jumped up 700%, now chilling around $5.99 as of Friday. But today, market price of the Zenikar Rising Commander deck one, you can get for $4.61. Average price is still pushing around the $5 range. Then you have... Urza Saga, which is the biggest, the the original printing of it, which has jumped up the most. Market price is around $8.05 of this, while the average price is $18.99. Sellers are trying to push it hard for closing up to $20 on this piece. So now the reason why this card is moving up is because in Innistrad Crimson Vow, we had a card released that is kind of bonkers. Did we talk about it last week? We talked about that last week. I know I talked about it with Keegan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you talked about it last week on the podcast when we were talking about cards that we were excited about. Yep. We're gonna have to have we got it we gotta start doing like this week in MTG set reviews again where we just talk cards that we like and shit. It's been so long since we've done one Definitely. of those. Definitely. So the card in question is Cultivator Colossus. This is the green, green, green four for a star, star plant beast. I know we, I remember we talked about this because Avenger of Zendikar <laughs> triggers and puts counters on this motherfucker because landfall on that guy puts plus one counters on plants, not plant tokens, yep. plants. So this thing gets plus one counters. Yep. We were talking about that. Yes. So it has trample and its power and toughness is equal to the number of lands you control. And when cultivator Colossus enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you do draw a card and repeat the process. So how this works is with abundance. It says, if you would draw a card, you may choose land or not land. So the way that this goes, every time this triggers off, when you repeat the process, is you say land, and then you reveal cards from the top of your library to reveal land, and you put it in your hand, and then you put the land into play, and you repeat the process with Cultivator Colossus until all the lands in your deck are now on your library, and then you trigger one more time stating land, and you can re- rearrange your deck in whatever order you want, and then you pass the turn, or do whatever you want. Like maybe if you have an Amulet of Vigor, all these lands are untapped, and then you could just cast a crap ton of spells and then you just kind of win the game at that point but that is the combo <laughs> that people are are in on right now and that's why abundance is moving up in price honestly this is one of those cards that 
I can't imagine staying up there in too long. Like this is a card that's going to be definitely moving up in price and holding a strong price for a long time. Commander players are going to be like, oh, we need this in our deck right away so that way you can pub some some motherfuckers at our LGS and shit like that. And it's it's a driving point, but it's not going to stay that long because this thing had a lot of printings and it's been like printed. Well, it's it's not even the fact that it's been printing a lot. It's the fact that in a commander set. Yeah, Zenikar rising at, at no, well, it's been in two sets then because it's been Commander seventeen, or is that yeah. Core seventeen? No, that's Commander seventeen. So it's been in a couple different Commander decks, and then yeah, it's a couple old ones, but it's still the fact that even the old ones are even before like Urgus Saga one, I guess in July was three oh nine. So it's not like it was very expensive. Even for the old ones? Yeah, it's just slowly moving. Like, it, it just has a whole new set of eyes on it of commander players that are like, yep. what's going to combo with this awesome mythic coming out in Crimson Vow? Though I do want to point to people's attention is Abundance 10th edition only is the only one that has a foil. Urza's Saga was before foils because I think it was Urza's... It was the next Urza set that had foils in it, if I'm not mistaken. But Urza's Saga does not have foils. The both commander decks don't have foil versions of Abundance, and the dual deck that this got printed in, Nissa versus Obnixilis, did not have a foil. So, Danny, if you had to guess how much a foil costs for Abundance Tenth Edition, what would you guess? Eleven dollars. A hundred and forty-two dollars is nice. what it is. Is what its uh, market foil price is according to MTGStocks.com. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. Yeah. So, next in the weekly winners, let's talk about Eidolon of the Great Revel, which is unfortunate. So, I was, uh, as we were talking about in the Boggle Desk, over at the Boggle Desk, talking about how Burn has been making its way back in conversations, being well-positioned in the modern format. So with that, I saw that Eidolon of the Great Revels was moving up in price, and I'm like, ha, I'm going to talk about that as an extra card at the end of the finance section. Lo and behold, MTG stocks already beat me to it because it moved up enough to get noticed by MTG stocks. It's moved up a lot. So Eidolon of the Great Revels is red-red for a 2-2 enchantment creature spirit. Whenever a player casts a spell with converted mana cost three or less, Eidolon of the Great Revels deals two damage to that player. This printing is the uh, Masters 25 printing, jumped up 65%, now chilling around $23.90. So the Masters, it's only had two printings. The Masters 25 reprint and its original printing back in Journey to Nyx. So Eidolon of the Great Revels, Master 25. Market price is around $15, so not as hot. Not many copies are getting like actually purchased around that $23 range, but sellers are still, the average price is around $23. Foil prices of Eidolon, Master 25, are $24.73, so around that same price that people are pushing for the, the non-foil versions. Now, when it comes to the Journey into Nyx printing of it, market price is around $16, average price $18.92, with this one having a foil of $40.62. Now, this is this is an older printing. This is before the new card frame update, so it doesn't have the little hollow symbol or the thinner borders and stuff on the side. So there's a little more demand for, like to collector-wise and stuff for that specifically. But this is moving up in price. Eidolon of the Great Rebel, old copies of this. 
due to the fact that burn is starting to get uh, a resurgence, not just in modern, like I was mentioning, but it's also talked here that it took first place in a pioneer challenge and having the pioneer red deck that was recently printed, the pioneer challenger deck uh, that dropped like two weeks ago. There's no Eidolon of the Great Revels, and Eidolon of the Great Revels is a great card to upgrade that deck because, as a lot of burn players know, this thing just hoses so many people from casting spells, it puts the game into a position where you are going to win, like eight times out of ten, I would say. It's, it's really strong. So, Modern Pioneer and Pioneer both showing uses for this card and putting up good results is the reason for that moving up in price. Now, for the final weekly winner, we have Quest for Ula's Temple. This card is a single blue for an enchantment that reads, At the beginning of your upkeep, you may look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you may reveal it and put a quest counter on Quest for Ula's Temple. At the beginning of each end step, if there are three or more quest counters on Quest from Ula's Temple, you may put a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. So this card has jumped up 46%, now chilling around just shy of $6 as of Friday. But as of today, market price on this card is $6.36, and average price is $9.69. So it's moving up since Friday still. Foils of Quest for Ula's Temple is $16. And what makes this super important is this is the only printing of Quest for Ula's Temple that we got. It was originally and only printed in World Wake. Now, with the recent... Krakens, Leviathans that were just showed in Crimson Vow, like the commander Runo Stromkirk, which is black blue one for the one four vampire cleric that flips over into the uh, Kraken that makes copies. So it turns into Krothus, Lord of the Deep. So whenever it attacks, create a tapped and attacking token for another target attacking creature. And if it's one of the sea creatures, so Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent, it creates two of those tokens. So people are really high on the sea monster tribal style deck that's going on right now. And because of that, you got Quest for Ula's Temple moving up. And it is also noted here that this was called out the other week by uh, a couple a couple prominent MTG financiers. Douglas Johnson from Brainstorm Brewery two weeks ago pointed this as his, as his pick of the week, and he called it just before it started moving up in price. And so, yeah, to those that want to make their serpent, their sea monster tribal deck, maybe start picking these up since it's an only printing. I mean, this the, the a reprintability for Quest of Ula's Temple would have to be in Zendikar or a Commander product or in a Secret Lair. And the real question is, is like, how how ready are Watsy going to be to want to put this into a secret lair? I mean, there's definitely a lot of f- flavor and stuff. Right? Like, they love their, I, their sea creatures. I don't know. With with this one, for Quest of Willow's Temple, mm-hmm. probably never. Or very, it would be a while, so at least. And like, no, I don't think they'll ever do it. I really don't think they're going to. Oh, well, I, I don't think. A standard set or a secret lair? Secret like, lair. You don't think that's ever going to be printed in a secret? No, I don't see them doing a card that hasn't been reprinted. Trying to think, has they ever? There has to been cards that hasn't been reprinted. Oh yeah, like Heliod. Well, I mean Heliod's pretty new compared when they did their Valentine one. Like Heliod didn't have a second. No, but it's the fact that he's new. Okay. Like, isn't this technically on the reserve? 
No, this what ain't the world re- work. This ain't reserve list, but oh, it's old. But it's still world like Wake just is, after that, isn't it? No, Worldwake is like two thousand nine, and that is, the, that's pretty old for it, Magic. It, yeah, old now. But the reserve list, I think, stopped at like two thousand one. After, I think it got some Urza Saga cards that are on the reserve list. Yeah. Well, either way, it's I I don't see going Secret Lair just for the fact that it's never been reprinted. Very very fair. Yeah. For like, I understand like new cards. Like, hey, we're giving you an alternative art for this new card that just got printed like a year ago. But for something that hasn't been printed for twelve years, I don't see it ever happening. Yeah, they got to find a good place to reprint this. This there's definitely going to be a lot of hype. Maybe this is going to be a card that's not even going to be worried about. Like, as soon as Crimson Vow starts to simmer down, like all of a sudden, like, the the Sea Monster Tribal is just going to start, like, becoming less popular. Like, you're not going to get any more Runo, Strom, Stromkirk, Stromkirk decks or any Eryxmases style but decks. I also don't see a reprint ever happening because that ability is broken. Yeah, you just put... Well, I mean, it puts one of four creature types onto play. It's like and, what Call well, of the Vast is. It's those, those four types are usually massive creatures. Same with Kali of the Vast. Kali of the Vast puts down angels, demons, and dragons. Yep, but doesn't have anything to play but EDH, really. Yeah, and and that's where this is going to be seeing play. Like, there's not going to be a sea sea monster tribal modern or legacy. It could be because it's a one drop. It is. That you need that. Three, well, if, yeah, you need three turns to do it. If you guys, if you know somebody out there that has a quest for an Ula modern deck, send us that link. We want to see that beast. I don't know. Be, it being a one drop. It's really powerful. That right, there, that right there is like, okay, well, turn four, I better be ready or you better be dead. Or the person better be dead. Otherwise, they're dropping massive creatures out real quick for free. It's definitely it's definitely powerful, kind of like what Luminarch Ascension is, which is the same thing. What You put counters on it if you don't get damage done to it, and then you start pumping out angels for two mana. And with with this one, you gotta have you gotta have the actual sea monsters in your hand to be able to put them out. Like you're gonna be screwed. Well, it's like, cool. You're, I got this thing, and I can't be dropping any more cards because I have no cards in hand. So I feel like it's. But you're out. still looking at the top card of your deck every turn. Oh, is it a replacement? At the beginning of your upkeep, you may look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you may reveal it. Put a quest counter on it. At the beginning of your end step, if there's three or more quest counters on this, you may put a kraken. Um, or whatever on on the battlefield. So you still look at the top card of your library. Yeah, but you don't get a like scry or anything like that. But it doesn't put it to the bottom. But you're, the you're, if Just you're playing you're this drawing. card, if you're gonna play this card in legacy or a legacy um style or whatever, you're gonna be building around it to have oh, the for draws. Sure. This is a hundred percent. This is a blue deck. Yep. Counterspell draw card. You're gonna play counter spells all every single counter spell possible just to keep this alive. I do think it's gonna to start to simmer down as soon as we start getting Crimson Vow packs and stuff getting more cracked. Like Yeah. The the hype for Sea Monsters is just kind of like I don't know. It's 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 hard. Commander players like the idea for like putting together a deck, but then they're not gonna put it together because if Quest for Ula's Temple does break ten dollars, like mm-hmm. I don't think you're gonna have 
I mean, there's definitely going to be a non-zero amount of commander players that are going to be building a deck no matter what. Like, if the card is $10, they're still going to do it. But I think a lot of Magic players might be deterred from spending $10 on a card that's for a gimmicky-style deck. And but, that's, that, but that's EDH. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this if, is all predicated if, if, on if, EDH if you're If you're not playing gimmicky decks, why are you playing EDH? Exactly. Like, point of EDH is to have tabletop version decks that... Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. You have gimmicks. But it's... I don't know. I, I got a weird... It's not a weird... I, I do feel a lot of price movement. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a share. I don't know where I'm going with this. I think let's just move on to the next part. Quest of Ula's Temple is moving up in price. Let's jump over to the cheap pickups then, Danny. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, so for the first cheap pickup of this week, we have Tasha's Hideous Laughter. It is now sitting at 470. It's stable and slightly slowly trending down. Tasha's Hideous Laughter, for those who don't know, is blue, blue one for sorcery. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of the library until that player has exiled cards with total man value of 20 or more. Gross card. Mill decks are still popular in a lot of different formats. Modern, we were just talking about in the, the Boggle Desk, how it took, I think it was fourth or fifth place it took there. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have, next up, we have Deathbringer Le- um, Liege, sitting at $0.88. Cents. It's now stable. Um, so this is black-red, uh, black-white hybrid three times with two generic for three, four, horror. Um, other white creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Uh, other black creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever you cast a white spell, you may tap target creature. Whenever you cast a black spell, you may destroy target creature if it's tapped. So I had to look at the reason why it's notable that this thing is like 82 cents. It's because it's it's only its second printing because the the printing that we're talking about right now is the, C, the Commander 21 printing of it. Mm-hmm. But Deathbringer Leech was originally printed in Eventide. Yep. Only one printing there. And for the longest time, like that card, Deathbringer Liege, was around $14 for the longest time. And, you know, that probably like priced out some players from actually being able to get access to this card. But so I guess it's an old version being at $14 where the new version is $0.82. Cents, super significant. So, well, even the old one now is sitting at five dollars correct yeah so that's even moving down if you want the older printing instead of the 14 dollars that it was like six months ago and stuff yeah so, yeah i was just curious it's like this seems like a very innocuous card that they're just pulling up here on the the cheap pickup so yeah we'll look into that yep and last but not least a fetch land that you can possibly afford now is verdant catacombs sitting at 26 dollars and 18 cents slowly trending down it is a tap, pay one life, sacrifice a search for a swamp or forest. Put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So I do have in the notes here that I wanted to talk more about fetch lands here real quick because they're still moving down. Like there was a good month, like every week we were talking about, hey, the floor is here, like pick him up and stuff. And I guess this is just, again, the reminder that the f- it's it's still here. The floor is coming, man. Like, oh my gosh, some of these cards are flipping bonker balls that you have. Why is this? There we go. I wish there's a better way to like look at cards for what specifically sorting. Like, hey, 
look at this stuff. Lands. Land. Nope, just Yeah, it's literally gonna pull yeah. up all so I'll lands. Just, yeah, well, I'll just type I'll just type So you're, so you're you gonna got, you're gonna have to go like scryfall. Uh no, scalding Scalding Tarn. Market price on a Scalding Tarn from Modern Horizons 2 is $29. And this is kind of like going flat right now. And if that's any indication of this card, like Scalding Tarns for $29 market price is really powerful. Uh, Because, again, we can look at previous printings of it. Let's go and look at the original Zendikar printing, which had a a high, an all-time high of $110. And now you can find them for 30 bucks. If you want to get into modern, like, you know, I say you want to get into modern, you got to have fetch lands. You don't have to have fetch lands. But if you want to, like... Nope. You can... If if if, if, if you want to get a Legacy Vintage, you have to have fetch lands. Yeah. But and even mm- if you just want to, like, up your commander deck and stuff, even though fetch lands and commander, like, the numbers don't really matter that much of, like, thinning out the deck and stuff like that. But. No. You see it more it's, than 60 cards. Yeah, no, it's... If if you want to get into modern, let me pull up my Moxfield. <laughs> While you're doing that, Marsh Flats, another card that was printed in Modern Horizons 2, market price is sixteen ninety six. Marsh Flats, while originally printed was one of the weaker selling cards, still had an all-time high of 54 and you can now get it for just under $17. Like fetch lands, if fetch lands are the thing that you felt that you need, like now is your time to be getting them. And then you got Misty Rainforest of a market price of $25. And that card as well broke 110, 120 for, uh, for an all time high on this. And remember, all these Modern Horizons 2 printings, they have extend they have the extended arts, they have the borderless versions, and then they have the old borders as well. So, there's so much of this stuff coming out that's that's out in like the wild. So fetch lands, super important. Just wanted to mention that as well. So Danny, you got your deck pulled up now? Yeah, it's mono red. And is there any fetch lands in there? <laughs> Why would I need it? <laughs> <laughs> like like we see decks on the latest modern tournaments, or whatever. Well it's just like the the red deck we were talking about earlier. I don't understand why they have was this called or aired mesas. Yeah, it had four aired mesas, four dead like, bug bears. Why and- would you have the fetch line? There's no reason for it. You don't have any landfall. That's the only reason you'd have you'd have a fetch in a uh, monocolor deck is for landfall. Not necessarily. Um, fetches do have a bit of versatility. I think. On on the math portion of it, or I'm going to cover the math portion here real quick. Frank Karsten, I think, did an article talking about how, yes, fetch lands do have an effect in a 60-card deck, and that could be important to a burn deck that wants to make sure that they're just drawing into gas instead of I, lands. Oh, I suppose, yeah, it takes a thinner deck twice or two cards at a time, but I don't know. Without without those, you can have a hundred dollar deck. Yeah, that competes. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot um, when we were doing deck of the week a lot. Like a lot of the decks that we talk about is like, oh, you can shave off two thirds of the price of this deck as soon as you take out fetch lands. Yep. Like if you're trying to get into the eternal formats, don't worry about getting the fetch yeah, lands. You don't need fetch lands like that. That is the 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 invisible gatekeeper that is playing in everyone's mind is like, oh, to play in these formats, I'm going to need a fetch land. It's like, no, no, you don't. There's so many good lands. Danny, to, to, 
talk talk about the Crimson Vow lands since we're on a land topic. Which the Crimson ones? The, the the new Crimson Vow ones that enter untapped. I think they're going to be more important I for com- Commander. But Crimson Vow Midnight Hunt, they have all 10 dual colored lands that enter the battlefield untapped if you control two or more other lands. It's the fast lands from Kaladesh and Scars of Mirrodin, but in reverse. And these things yeah, are really good. They're, they're and they're red. super cheap. Yeah, because you have Deadcap Glade, which is the green white, control two or more lands. Dream Root Cascade, which is green blue. Then you have Shattered Sanctum, which is white black. Stone Carved Coast, which is the blue red. Sundown Pass, which is the white white red. Um, yeah. So. And now, what are all these like pre-selling for? Because these are the ones from Crimson Vow. Uh, so Sundown Pass, which is the Boros one, is selling for four ninety three. Sub five dual colored land. I'm in. And then you can get the showcase art for seven thirty six. Yeah, showcase doesn't fucking matter. Like that's just going the, sh- the, the showcase. The showcase art is, art is totally worth the three dollars. It's it goes into your EDH deck, folks. Well, that's where but, most of these are gonna go anyway. Well, I mean, not necessarily. We're talking about like getting into like yeah, vintage no, and modern the, and stuff here. In this case, like these are cheap dual colored lands. Yeah, you, you go with the fast lands. The 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 what's the other words? Um, yeah, you go with the fast lines. They're just easier to work with, mainly because of the price. But yeah, I don't know. I'm liking the the new black and white arts. Yeah, dude, and they all look so fucking good. L- lands should not be a restriction for you to get for for any Magic player to be able to play a deck. Fetch lands are cool. They're cool. They're high octane magic cards. There's no doubt about it. Yep. That that is that's the, that's the nos you're putting into your deck to make it like run. But you can still play a very high power deck that's on octane that's not running fetch lands and and stuff. Don't don't be sh- uh, deterred <laughs> at the cost of fetch lands. Like oh, I need these fetch lands and shock lands to play this game. No, no, you don't. Go make. Some awesome decks without fetches and shocks. And I'm actually going to brew one up this week and post it up online and be like, hey, this deck's going to be great without fetches and shocks. I have mono red that's great without fetch lands. I'm going to make a dual color deck that doesn't have fetches and shocks. I can't say I have a dual color deck without fetch lands. Just all these not in Moxfield, I can't say. Because all of them do. See, that's the case. I'm going to do one without fetch lands and shock lands. Shocklands, okay. Shocklands are 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 not quite as expensive as fetchlands. Yeah, they are dropping in price. A lot of them you can find around like ten, fifteen bucks. A lot, yeah. a lot better. But I mean, again, with these enemy these enemy fetchlands, Scalding Tarn, Verdant Catacombs, Misty Rainforest, they're moving down in price. So I mean, we're given two signals here. It's like if you want to pick up cards that you know are going to go back up in value, now seems to be like a pretty good time to pick them up. Even yep. if you bought them back a couple months ago, and we we're talking about them being around thirty dollars. These cards are still going to be going above $30. Like now it's just like you're really just solidifying the dip of the price of this card for you to have in your collection for monetary gain or for like actual deck construction, deck brewing. So my uh my Green Vike Soul Sister deck is yep. about the same price as my Rift Commander deck. Damn. <laughs> yeah, my Soul Sister is sitting at 595 and Rift 
is sitting at 652. The only reason that it's 652 is because I have Jewel Lotus in there. Fucking Jewel Lotus. Hey, when you pull foil one, you put it in every deck you have. You are not wrong. You are not wrong, sir, at that at all. But yeah. Uh, so let's see. What also, we, uh, I don't. Ha- I don't have no Mox Diamonds on in the deck either. Uh, womp womp. I don't want to put that much value into that deck. Understandable. Just flexing all the time. Yeah. Lotus jewel lotuses My and diamonds. PSA ten diamond. Fucking Christ. Can't wait to see how that thing keeps climbing up in price. It hasn't moved for a long time. Yeah, I imagine there's no one selling him. Yeah, nobody wants to be selling. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. Well, do you want... I don't think we're going to do a deck of the week, but maybe we can fit in one more finance topic here. Oh, what's that? All right, so with (laughs) with the release of Crimson Vow, zombies are still very fucking hot well it's Innistrad yeah but this is supposed to be the set of spirits and vampires and we've and we've talked about this zombies are like the number one printed creature type they are number two on EDH rec of the most played tribal deck I think vampires are like number five or six I don't know where spirits are at off the top of my head probably lower probably but I god here, let's let's pull up the let's pull up the stats here. So we got uh, in the themes, the tribes, the top one hundred tribes. Yeah, so elves. Elves is number one. Well, yeah, dragons or er, uh, zombies number two. Dragons number three. Yep. Vampires number four. Yep. Goblins five. There we go. And you don't get spirits until holy shit. Still all the way down, like, what is that, 20-something? Let's see. 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, 23. 23 is where spirits are. So I guess I guess that makes sense. But anyways, zombie talk here. Zombies are still fucking hot with Crimson Vow in a set that's supposed to be, like, vampire-focused because, you know, we got we got blood tokens, you know, and stuff like that. With the, the Return of Exploit being in here and necroduopoly like zombies are still just going to keep getting getting good like overcharge amalgam the counter spell on a creature with exploit you got arc ghoul of thraben that can put zombies into your hand from the top of your library or into your graveyard headless rider is a uh god what's that throne of eldraine one that draws you a card and loses your life when a creature dies this one just makes you a zombie when a creature dies and stuff so zombies got gas they're still moving up in price like let's take a look at uh lord of the undead oh yeah yeah we were going to talk about some of the cards on the list and what that shit means uh ah uh, let's see if we can quickly fall back into talking about list cards let me pull up that link because in cards that are getting added to the list what this is going to mean for four cards and prices and stuff. I figure that's going to be important to talk about here. Oh my gosh. I almost completely forgot that I wanted to do that. So cards added to the list. There's not much zombies. There's zombies that are getting removed for the list. Good. Because Midnight Hunt and stuff. And Lord of the Undead, as we mentioned, was one of them that are getting removed. And 
again, list cards aren't going to have a big significant impact on prices because they don't get printed that often in the list. Like list cards are still, you got a one in eight chance to get a, a list card and then each list card is going to be at rarity in that list slot. So commons are going to be showing up more than uncommons, etc., etc. And yeah, uh, so cards getting added. This this doesn't have to do with zombies. We're taking a sidestep from zombies here. Just going to make that clear because I think we're just going to end with talking about the list then because we said we said we would and then we almost forgot. But you got cards like Blood Crypt and Blood Moon both getting printed here. Blood Moon as a card, a lot of decks love to run that as a sideboard option or even a main board option in modern. And there are Ponza style like yeah the. Decks. Mono red deck from that modern event had Blood Moon in the sideboard. Yeah, like it, earlier. Bl- Blood Moon is still a card that sells like f- eighteen bucks is the cheapest version that you can find around here. The Masters yeah, it's 20, not cheap. The Masters twenty five printing that's getting pr- added to the list here is market price sixteen dollars and and stuff. So Blood Moon and Blood Crypt getting in price, getting printed more is going to be important. It's not going to be at a at a rate that you know would actually make any kind of financial impact. Though we have seen a few times talking about cards that move up and down in price pretty sharply are due to the list printings. Uh, Brazen Borrower was recently the uh, special showcase frame from Throne of Eldraine. That one yep. shot up in price, but then dropped down below the normal market price, I think like a month ago. And it's notable. And this was another thing with like a lot of cards that do this like super wonky price spike, price drop of like popular cards. And it's the list. It doesn't print enough, but it still prints enough. So you have to be kind of aware. Like if you want to know like, oh, is there a chance for cards to be moving down in price? Then just like check out the list and stuff i guess i don't know it's weird it's a weird fucking dynamic with the list because i'm not a fan of the list for the <sighs> it's it's a way to bring in old cards very slowly stupid very slowly, slowly. stupid slowly. And, it, and it's a way to drive the price down without tanking it they don't care. I don't think they necessarily care about the prices. Otherwise, they'd be well, putting a bunch of different cards in here, not just a crap ton of commons uncommons. Like if they were, if they were more concerned about pricing, like they, maybe they are concerned. Like a lot of these cards aren't worth that much. That's why you they. Re- that's why they can reprint them. It's like why they don't reprint the reserve list. Well, it's all for pricing. Reserve list is its own thing. So along with other cards <laughs> getting added wrong? to the list, we have exquisite blood which has only had the original Avacyn Restored printing and yep. the Jumpstart printing. And this one, if I'm not mistaken, it does say that it's supposed to be the Jumpstart printing. So you're going to get the Jumpstart print uh, set symbol there. And this is a card that's like 33 bucks and 36 respectively for Avacyn Restored and Jumpstart. Like This getting printed is going to... You're going to see some sort of list impact of these cards. And some other cards, Drolf and Gis, uh, Gisa. Gisa and Drolf. This is a zombie card, zombie matters card that is getting reprinted here. And even though it's not expensive, it does feed into the zombie theme that is going on in Crimson Moon because it's black blue two for a four four that reads when it ETBs mill four. And then during each of your turns, you may cast zombie creature spells from your graveyard. 
And then with Overcharged Amalgam or the one-drop horse zombie creature that you could just keep recurring from the graveyard and stuff, like zombies getting a boost, list cards coming out. <sighs> list. The list. Ah, It's such a weird feeling with the list. Such a fucking weird feeling. It's hard. It's hard to get around it. Oh, another card getting printed in the list is Audric Master Tactician. Danny. Danny. Did you see what they did to our boy Audric? Audric looks badass. He looks badass, but his card itself is like a shaft in the face for what Audric typically does. Yeah. Hey, you get to make blood tokens equal to the keywords on these cards. And apparently, did you see the blogatogs that were talking about this? The people were like, yo, Maro, testing did Audric wrong. What's up with this? And uh mark is like yeah yeah we hear your words i'm letting the up or i'm letting the right people know about this kind of a stuff because oh boy audric was oh yeah they they definitely did audric bad but his alternative art is pretty sick yes a hundred percent agree so i don't know what else there is to talk about the list like the list of the cards getting added is below. If that's something that interests you, please check that out and then kind of like properly prepare financially, financially and stuff for cards. Like picking up an exquisite blood for pretty cheap could be something really good that you're looking for. Or Infinite combo. Blood moon and stuff. Vampiric tutor getting printed here. Again, that is going to be cheaper and you can start getting that into your deck. So now, if you want to be picking these cards up cheaper, like, oh, I'm, I'm in on Vampiric Tutor moving down in price. What you can do is you can go over and check out our amazing friends at tcgsniper.com, create an account, enter in Vampiric Tutor, and get notified when... What, what is a Vampiric Tutor going for right now? Let's let's do a live ED, or a MTG stock on this and see what the price is so we can be more accurate so you want to be informed on the eternal masters printing which is getting printed so eternal master market value is around 52 bucks so let's say after the list comes out market price on vampiric tutor you're like i want to pick it up when it's 40 dollars. you enter that into tcg sniper tcg sniper will then keep a watch out on tcg player for any cards that for all vampiric tutors that are getting sold and when someone sells one for $40, you will get a notification via text, email, Discord, and then you click the link that they send you. It takes you right to that page. You put into your cart, you buy, and you become a happy magic player because you bought it at such a good deal. TCG Sniper also does it in the reverse. If you're the one with some cards you want to move up in price, I'm just blanking on something right now, a zombie card because zombies are still hot undead war chief you think it's going to keep going up Fuck like another zombies. ten another ten dollars zombies should just die and stay dead they don't die that's the beautiful thing. they're already dead they should just stay dead and just stay laying in their graves there's so much good zombies verena is moving up in price as well little side tangent verena the lich queen is now like a five dollar card before it was like 50 cents to a buck but moving up to five dollars because People are like, ah, oh, Verena, another zombie commander that we can play with. Hey, and Matt. Hey, Matt. You know we've been streaming for two hours? TCG Sniper <laughs> is a great service. Go check them out. Let them know that the guys over at This Week at MTG sent you. And with that, let's move to the, the, the end read here. Let's do it. Let's do it. So thank you all you beautiful magic magic folk for making it to the end of episode 113 of This Week at MTG. Make sure to follow us on all streaming platforms and podcasting platforms 
So streaming, YouTube, Twitch, we stream Monday nights around 7 p.m. Podcast platforms, we're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and the likes of that. I just added another. Oh, Facebook. Facebook now has RSS feeds. So if you just want to listen to us on Facebook, we're up on there now. Nice. Like you don't have to go to a, another website. Like they, They're a pod catcher now. So thanks, Robs, if you catch it, if you make it to the end of this episode. Thank you for pointing that out and doing that. You can also find us on a bunch of different places around the internet. We have Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, Moxfield account where you can check out our decks. And you can also check out our Patreon where we have account or we have two tiers to get put in for drawings for packs and cards. And then we also have playmats. We're selling playmats. These beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous playmats. Maybe we'll take a picture of Danny shirtless holding one in front of himself as like the sex appeal kind of a thing. With the big dad bod. Hey, That's dad, what you want. Dad bods are in. We're taking pictures, and you are going to be our sex sells icon. We have playmats, twenty bucks. Hit us up, or if you want to go pick one, if you don't want to hit us up, you're like, ah, I don't want to talk to these schmucks. I'll just listen to them. Go over to J Dub Sports Cards and Gaming, where they have our playmats selling for twenty bucks. Yep. Unfortunately, you do have to pay for tax over there. So, uh, allegedly, there's things that make us not do it. Allegedly, in my opinion, something, something. Don't sue us. And cash that, under the table. <laughs> with that, let's also thank JW Sports Cards and Gaming for being our amazing sponsor. And the final thank you to our amazing patrons for being our patrons. You guys all fucking rock. Jesus balls. You guys are amazing. Now, Danny, do you have anything else you want to add to this? Nope. And with that, you find magic folk. We hope you have a great day. See ya. And I dig down below me and I fall into lava. Mm -hmm. So pissed.